Amen. Well, good, good morning. Welcome again to Hillside. So glad you guys are with us this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 4? We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4 today. Um, in verses 5 and 6 are the verses that we will be in. Uh, today is our last message, <clears throat> excuse me, in a series of messages that we've been doing as a church on our sort of our DNA as our church or our core values here at Hillside. And so we are looking at the values that drive us as a church. <clears throat> In case you are just joining us for the first time, um, at Hillside, our mission is this. It's to make disciples of Jesus who reach for million and the world. Now, I understand that when we say mission statement, people can sort of like just glaze over and say, okay, maybe I'll come back next week and hear something different. But I understand that mission statements sometimes can feel too big. Um, and so what we've been trying to do is explain to you how we plan to do this, that we want to make disciples of Christ who reach for a million in the world. And we, the way we do this is we live out our core values. Anybody know off the top of your head what the core values are? They were on the screen for a second, but can you say them out loud to anyone after a few weeks of it? No? Okay. Or are you just scared to say it out loud? Life with God, life with others, and life on mission. This is how we do uh, our, our mission statement. This is how we carry out our mission statement. We are all about life with God, all about life with others, and we are all about life on mission. And so this is how we make disciples of Jesus who reach for million and the world. And so just to break it down a little bit more, we aim to know and love God through his word, through worship, and through the word. That is life with God. We aim to experience life together in gospel community that is life with others. Dan preached about that last week. And then finally, we aim to be a people who live and proclaim the gospel in all of life and in all places that is life on mission. And that's going to be our focus for today. We are a missional church, meaning we believe in missions. We're part of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And so sometimes when we say life on mission, we think Africa. That's not what we're talking about today. As a pastoral staff, we truly believe that our ministry is where our feet are, wherever we are, which means that it isn't always here in the church building, and it isn't always a thousand miles away in Africa, though those things are ministry too. And as a staff and elders, we're convinced of this. If we are going to see disciples of Jesus who reach for a million and reach the world, then we know that our church is going to have to see all of our lives as a mission for Christ. Sunday morning is not our only ministry. Tuesday nights are not our only ministry. Wednesday nights, you name it. I mean, there's something happening here every night of the week. Those are not our only ministries. All of our lives are ministries for the gospel. And the reality is this, and I know that this isn't news to most of you, but there are places here in Vermilion that our pastoral staff will never have access to. But by God's grace, you're there. And so this morning, our goal for all of us would be that we are encouraged to live our lives on mission wherever we are. That we are encouraged to see our lives as a mission field, that we're encouraged to see our schools and our workplaces, our homes, or whatever we are doing, our ministry. Now, I would guess that if we are totally honest, that there's maybe a lot of us that would say this, we struggle with sharing our faith. Anybody? 
I mean, this is a safe place. I would guess a lot of us would say we struggle with sharing our faith. I saw those half hands raised up. Good job. Um, We struggle to be missional in the places that we live and in the places that we work. We struggle to proclaim the gospel in all of life and all places. Why? Well, maybe we think that that's the job of a pastor or it's the job of some trained evangelist. Or maybe we're afraid of how people might respond to us. There are lots of reasons why we don't share our faith, but I would say that one of them is that it's likely that we just don't see our life and our position as a ministry. But the call of every believer, every person in the body of Christ, if you've put your faith in Christ, your call is to proclaim the good news wherever you are. The call isn't just for us to hope that our friends and our coworkers are going to show up to church on a Sunday morning. Our call is to live our lives on gospel mission every day of the week. And so this morning, I want to look at what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Now, there's a lot of context around these things that we're just not going to have time to talk about, but I want you to read the surrounding verses on your own time. But Paul is talking in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 to the people of Colossae. So he's not talking to pastors and evangelists. He's just talking to the regular folks of Colossae who have jobs and go to school and all of that kind of stuff. And I believe there's some encouragement for you and for me here today. And so let's read verses 5 and 6. They say this, Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I love these verses because Paul is talking to believers and he is clearly, because of the context, calling believers to live lives of evangelism. He just got done asking them to pray for him that he'd be able to share the word of God with people. So that's the context. And he's answering for us this morning this question, and maybe it's a question you've asked before, but he's answering the question, how should I relate to non-Christians? In my everyday life, how should I relate to non-Christians? And these verses here are the blueprint for living our lives on mission. And so with our time this morning, I just want to give us three truths. There's a lot in these verses, but I just want to give us three truths as we aim to live our daily lives on mission. And the first, for the believer to live their life on mission, the first thing is this. Paul says, you must walk in wisdom. You must walk in wisdom. Look again at the beginning of verse 5. It says this, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Okay, how do I live my life evangelistically? How do I live my life on mission? How do I share the reality of the gospel in my everyday life? Well, Paul answers that question, and he says, first, you must walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Let me break that down for us real quick by asking three questions. Biblically, why should I walk in wisdom towards outsiders, outsiders being unbelievers? How do I walk in wisdom biblically? And then where do I get this wisdom that Paul is talking about? And so the first question is, why should I walk in wisdom towards outsiders? Well, simply this, godly biblical wisdom wins outsiders to Christ. That's the reason that the church walks in wisdom. 
Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. It'll be on the screen. It says this, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. There are other translations that say it like this, He who is wise wins souls. And so the goal of biblical wisdom, the reason that we walk in wisdom, is to win souls to Christ. Living a life on mission then requires biblical wisdom of us with the purpose of winning souls to Jesus Christ. So why, why do we walk in biblical wisdom? Because it draws people to Christ. Okay, then, that makes sense to me and that sounds good, then how do I walk in biblical wisdom? Well, there are so many texts in Scripture that would tell us how to be wise. Almost all of Proverbs, all of Proverbs Ecclesiastes, it's, it's everywhere, right? But I love 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12 to answer this question for us this morning. It says this, Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may, look at these words, win the respect of outsiders. That's walking in wisdom. And so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So walking in wisdom means living so as not to bring reproach on our faith. Don't give people an argument or the argument that Christians are lazy and they are nosy and they are incompetent and they are unproductive. Live a life that adorns the gospel. Live an exemplary life. Know that the way you work affects the way that, that the gospel is perceived. Acting wisely means we do, not, we do our best to not offend cultural expectations at least cultural expectations that are not sinful, right? I just mean showing up to work on time and doing everything as if you're doing it for the Lord. Don't offend those expectations. And so the goal of biblical wisdom is to win the souls of outsiders, and one of the means by which we do this is we live exemplary lives before those who are outside, but where does this kind of wisdom come from? Well, if you look backwards in Colossians to Colossians 3.16, you'll see the answer. It says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. So where does wisdom come from? Godly wisdom isn't something you gain by your own will and your own ability. Godly wisdom comes from letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because here's the reality, and I don't mean to offend anybody by this, but this is just true. None of us is spiritually wise by nature. We're just not. We are foolish until we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so Paul says we walk wisely towards outsiders when the word of Christ dwells in us richly. So how do I live my life on mission for the gospel in my everyday life, wherever I am? Well, first, I walk in wisdom towards outsiders. And then secondly, in verse 5, life on mission happens when we buy up every opportunity. Look again at Colossians 4, verse 5. It says this, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. We just talked about that. And then it says, making the best use of the time. It's fascinating to me that Paul is using a verb here that comes originally from this commercial language of the marketplace. And so when he says making the best use, 
He literally means to buy it all up. In Greek, this phrase indicates an intensive activity, a buying which exhausts the possibilities available. And so what I mean by all of that is this. To buy it all up means to buy it all until there's nothing left. Leaving nothing on the shelf. To exhaust the possibilities of all of your time. If you need an illustration, think like 2020 when people were buying toilet paper, right? They bought it all up. They made the best use of everything they could get. So what Paul is saying is this. It is wise to capitalize on every opportunity that you have for the gospel. Capitalize on every extra opening for the gospel. Meaning when you have an opportunity to shine the light of the gospel, take that time. That's the meaning of this verse. Buy it up. I want to stop here for a second, just a second, because I think we can be confused by this. But I think that we have more time than we think we have as a people. I think we, we can make the best use of our time better than we probably even think we can. I want us to be aware of the fact that when we say we want to be a church that lives our lives on missions... That doesn't automatically mean that we are talking about clearing our slates of everything that we do day to day and moving our families to Africa or Iowa. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Paul isn't talking about you or me getting up at 3 a.m. And, and, and doing ministry. He's not saying sleep is a waste of time, so buy up all the time you're wasting. He's not saying that. He's not telling you to quit your jobs. This is not the point of this phrase, buying up every available opportunity. The point of this passage is this. We buy up time when we take advantage of the time in our normal, everyday lives. I read a story this week that I thought was helpful about author and lecturer John Erskine. He shared that when he was a kid, he had a piano teacher who asked him how much he practiced. And Erskine replied that he usually sat at the piano for an hour or more at a time. And the teacher warned him, and now if you're a piano teacher, you may hate what I'm about to say. But the teacher warned him that when he grew up, time would not come to him in long stretches like that. He's not going to just have hours at a time. And so his teacher told him, you should practice in minutes whenever you find them, five or ten minutes before school, a few minutes after lunch, sandwich them in between chores and spread practice throughout the day. And the result would be this, that music would become a part of his life, his normal life. Erskine later sh uh, shared that by following his advice, he was able to live a fulfilled life as a creative writer in addition to his regular duties as an instructor. In fact, he wrote nearly all of Helen of Troy, his most famous work on streetcars while commuting between his home and the university. And so the point is this. I'm, this is all I'm trying to say is that buying up the time in our everyday lives or living wisely towards outsiders, it means that you and I see every free moment in our normal lives as opportunities to share the gospel. A life on mission, it isn't interested in killing time. A life on mission is looking always to redeem spare moments for God's glory. 
So we live on mission in our wise living. We live on mission in our use of our time. And then finally, living life on mission means that the words that we use are important. Look again at verse 6. Paul says this, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now this verse is full of content, full sermons in here easily, but I want us just to notice something very obvious this morning from it. When we think about living our life on mission, it is essential for us to know that the words that we use matter. First, because sharing the truth of the gospel does require words. Evangelism isn't just our actions. We have a message to proclaim. Paul actually said in Romans, how will they know unless we tell them? No one ever believed a gospel that they never heard in words. Does your life matter? For sure. But so do your words. Our responsibility then is to open our mouth and to speak the name of Jesus to the outside world. But, and this is really important, how we speak matters. Our speech is so important. And so Paul says, always be gracious, seizing your words with salt, meaning what matters is not simply the content of what you are saying, but the manner or the spirit in which you speak of Jesus to others. And so the reality of this verse then is that we are called to be both pointed and pleasant in our witness. Generally, we're good at one and not the other. How do I do that then? Well, Paul says, speak about the grace of Christ in your own life. Why? Because when we are always speaking about the grace of Christ, meaning how he saved us, how he rescued us, how he has given us what we do not deserve, then that grace will pierce and saturate your life so much so that you will naturally display what grace does in all of your interactions. Here's the hard truth. Dry and boring and lifeless tend to be the adjectives that the world uses to describe Christianity. Why? Well, there are a lot of reasons. But often one of the reasons that the world finds us dry and boring is because we forget the reality of the freedom that the gospel has bought for us. We forget that what grace has done in our lives, and so we aren't verbalizing the reality of God's grace with people. And here's the truth. The freedom of the gospel, the reality of God's grace to us, sinners saved by grace, that should make us the most engaging people on the planet. Why? Because we know freedom that nobody else knows. We know love and forgiveness that brings extreme joy that people want and the world is attracted to us, not because we are free to sin, but because we have been freed from the bondage of sin. And so Paul is saying this to us as we live life on mission. Your goal should be to understand the gospel and its implications so well that people can see the freedom that Jesus brings in the way that you walk and talk. And when they do, then they're going to get a glimpse of what it really means to have new life in Jesus Christ. 
When we talk about evangelism as a church, I'm sure some of us think, or maybe just too often all of us think, that our main problem is a lack of knowledge. Well, I just don't know enough. We say, if I only had more scripture memorized, or if I only was a better theologian, then my non-Christian friends would be persuaded by me. And don't get me wrong, biblical knowledge is important and sound doctrine is valuable, very valuable. Pursue those things. But God's call to his people this morning is not that we go to college and become vocational ministers. God's call to each of us is to walk in wisdom, to buy up the time that we have, and to speak of the grace that we have received wherever God has placed us. That's the call for all of us. Why? So that the outsider might know the grace that you know, and so that the outsider might know him. This core value of life on mission, it's a call to all of God's people to share the good news wherever you are and whenever you are there. As a church, I want us to hear this so clearly this morning. God isn't calling you and I into sophistication and cleverness. He's simply calling us into faithfulness wherever we are. And this morning, we just want to get really practical with this. It, it can sometimes be easy to hear a pastor encourage missional living or evangelism, and then we say something like this. I'm putting myself in your shoes, even though I'm a pastor. We say something like this, yeah, Robbie, that's your job. We, that's actually what we pay you for. Um, you get paid to read the Bible and share the gospel, which coincidentally, just so you know, that's not true. That's not all I do. Um, I play golf too, but it's, <clears throat> it's not as simple as you say, Robbie. That's what you do for a living. And I, I get it. I get that you feel that way. I understand. And so what we did is we reached out to four different people from our church, and I know there are lots that could have done this, and Kaylee did this amazing job. She put together a video of their testimonies of how they live their lives on mission in their normal everyday life, of how they buy up the time that they have. And I just want to share with you their video testimonies, and I hope that their testimonies encourage you. Let's watch together. Hi, I'm Jessica Skelton. I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I substitute in the Vermilion District. Good morning, Hillside. I'm Chad Heckathorn. I'm one of your elders here at Hillside. Um, you probably know some of my family members. Christy Heckathorn is my wife. Then there's Mariah, Jack, and Carter. Um, maybe only a few of you have been here longer than our family. Um, I'm definitely I'm now officially an elder in the church in that uh, not only my age, but uh, in our duration of stay. Um, for a living, I farm and uh, sell seed. That's part of what keeps us here. We're very grounded in who and what we do. And that's given us an opportunity to serve at Hillside for quite a while. Hi, my name is Gabe Legner. This is my wife, Courtney Legner. 
Um, we've been attending Hillside for three years. I'm currently studying medical biology here at the university and I'm with plans to go to PA school next year. Yeah, like Gabe said, my name is Courtney Legner. Um, I'm also a student at the university and I also plan to go to physician assistant school next fall. All right guys, so I explained earlier that I've uh, been at Hillside for a long way time, yes, but um, I dropped that seed part about selling seed in. So a few years back, we were looking to expand our seed business and as part of that, we needed this great big building. For certain times of year, we need a lot of space to make that happen and to serve our customers well. And I was struggling with the whole idea of doing that, to put that kind of money into something, the risk of what it was. And I uh, was visiting with our former pastor, Steve Walters, about that. And uh, the core of it is we really just said, as long as this is something that we can use as a business, but also um, as part of the church, something a part of our ministry and what we're doing, there really wasn't a version of failing inside of that. If the business didn't work out or wherever it went, um, it was all good because our heart was in the right place. So we started tried to think of a way to how do we say that with all without all of what I've said. So we came up with Starbucks models of you know we were brainstorming um, that Starbucks has this motto where if you didn't want to meet at one person's house or the other person's house, they want to be that third place, the other place. And that kind of tied in what we wanted, but I wanted it something a little more intentional than that. Something that would say we're really genuinely intentional about what we're doing, that we almost like have this conspiracy to what we do. And inside of that, we came up with the idea of calling our seed shed the spaghetti shop. And any of you that have one of these shirts have probably heard me give this shtick. Um, but the idea gets to be that I'll give someone this shirt and then I want to give the idea of who we are as a business and what we do behind it. So I essentially say this is our shirt that represents our spaghetti shop. And what that means is if you watch uh, a mob movie, people will go into the front of an Italian restaurant and most of the people that are inside the restaurant know that it's really not a spaghetti shop. Most people in there know that it's a front for something that's happening in back and it just legitimizes and gives them a place to be that's legitimate. And that tied in really well to what we were thinking. So we started calling our seed shed the spaghetti shop because um, essentially it gives us the cash flow. It gives us this big physical resource to use but we want it to be much like coming to Hillside so that if somebody needed that resource, they can come in and use it. If our community needs it, anything that uh, is going on, it can happen at the seed shed. And so in a way, I guess that makes us mafia. And so we started, because mafia sounds harsh, we started turning and calling ourselves Jesus Mafia. So if you come and get a chance to visit our flower farm, uh, our seed building, uh, I'd love to welcome you to, to our spaghetti shop sometime. I personally try to live on mission um, in my everyday life, um, which right now entails um, mostly things involving kids because I have three children and I want to be involved in their lives. And I have found an easy avenue for me personally because I have been a stay-at-home mom the past 10 years is to begin subbing in the Vermilion School District. And um, through that, I have had great conversations with other staff or parents that I've met along the way um, that has led me to have a greater impact on my immediate community. Living out a mission as a college student, um, especially with the social norms, looks a little uh, different than what you'd expect of partying and drinking and uh, doing things that you'd expect a college student to do. Um, I was very for uh, fortunate and um, had a roommate that came from Sturgis that we were able to come to Hillside and really grow our faith. Um, this allowed us to find our community with our groups of friends and where eventually where I met my wife. Um, 
But a big thing for us is just, um, we were able to sit on a Friday and Saturday night and play board games and truly just come together and be different than what you'd expect a college student to be. Um, Courtney kind of has a Bible verse here that's we're gonna go over that really exemplifies of what our group um, really tried to do. Yeah, so obviously Robbie's per preached on the verse in Matthew where it talks about walking the narrow path and that's something that we've definitely prayed over a lot as college students as that's also very difficult. Um, but there's another verse in Romans that we like and it says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this is just one of the verses that we have definitely held true to. Um, like Gabe, I got very lucky and it was God's will that he placed my roommate in my life. Um, and the first Sunday we went to church and we were actually late, which was really awkward, but yeah, we were able to find Hillside and find Christian community. Um, and yeah, it's something that God calls us to. It's a command that we are different from the world and that we don't conform to the world. And like the verse says, like that is an act of worship. And as students, that's something that we hold very true to. We're not, like Gabe said, we're not like other students. We are supposed to be set apart from them. And not just in the way we live, um, separately from partying and drinking and all of that, but also just in the classroom. Um, yeah, we're both in very competitive, uh, fields and that makes it tough because everyone's putting so much pressure on their grades and in reality We've realized a lot that grades don't define you as a person and as a Christian, especially because we're not here um, Grades don't get us to heaven and that is the beauty of what God created um, But yeah, it's just awesome to know that that's not why we're here and we have joy beyond this earth And yeah, we just believe it's our mission to be able to show our classmates through our actions and our words that we're here for something bigger than just this world. I think I would encourage others to live out their faith in remembering that it's really in whatever avenue you're in, whether it be work, where you're volunteering, um, just going to the park and playing with kids. I think it's wise to remember that wherever you're interacting with others or even family, um, being an example or an ambassador of Christ is most important in all those interactions. I have found for me specifically when I am volunteering or um, working in the school district, being aware of what others might need, um, whether it be just a hug in the moment or maybe some like food delivered to their house or just a friendly note to uplift them for that day. I would encourage others to live out their faith um, by reading their Bible. I think a big thing for me personally, I especially see the first thing I see go is my patience. Um, I really struggle with small tasks that I shouldn't really struggle with when I don't get in my Bible. Um, so definitely get in your Bible. There's a lot of wisdom in there, um, especially in the Old Testament because it's really <laughs> tough to get through sometimes, but I promise it's in there. Leviticus. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, getting in your Bible because I that's probably number one. Um, I say another thing is the community here at Hillside. Um, I know that Dan really focuses on community groups and I think that is extremely important. Um, two years ago we started going to ours um, and that has been a blessing um, in disguise. Um, there's so many different generations that are there that pour into us and we leave refilled and 
Um, you never know when you're going to need that community around you when you fall. So I think those are the two biggest things um, that I can encourage, encourage uh, Christians to really focus on. Yeah, like Gabe said, living out our faith. I think the first semester of college, we both really struggled where we just kind of, I don't know, pedal to the metal and got really burnt out and weren't fulfilling filling ourselves in order to pour out our faith onto other people. And that's something that we've really been focusing on is just getting in the word, like Gabe said, and reading your Bible and being able to be fulfilled that way. And then also, like Gabe said, the community groups are huge for us. Um, being able to have community outside of the university um, and be able to have community that have the same morals and values as you. Um, there, it's hard to put aside time to do those things every week. Um, there, we have showed up to community group more than one time after being very stressed about exams. Um, but, <laughs> <Okay>. we, <laughs> but we always leave feeling supported by our Christian community and encouraged. And we really enjoy our community group, especially because there's people from all different walks of life. Um, there's students, people who are working full time, mothers, fathers, um, people who are retired. There's, yeah, everyone and everyone has a piece of advice, which is so valuable. And yeah, it's just really important for us to be able to learn from people that are older than us or even people who are just biblically wise and being able to get that advice poured into us. And yeah, we think that's really important when being able to live out our faith is to be filled up yourself so you're able to pour out onto others. Okay, so not all of us can be farmers, can be seed salesmen, not everybody has great big buildings, um, but we all have something that we can work with. And uh, the really cool thing about this is that everybody that's here listening to this today, you guys are all in your own way a key to someone out in the world. Um, and what makes you unique is exactly what's so special. You can reach out to people that I could never begin to touch their lives. And so I guess the question um, is, what makes you special? What makes it so that when you talk to someone, um, you're that unique key? How can you take those things that you do the most in your life, the people that you contact the most, and how can you leverage that to essentially turn that into your spaghetti shop, what you do into your spaghetti shop? And uh, I'd love to have you helping us in the Jesus Mafia.